0: I will build my life. I. thank you that you are a miracle worker that you're a way maker when it looks like there is no way that you're present in every time of trouble we have and you make a way we love you we worship you and we pray this in jesus name amen
3: Welcome once again to Gateway Church Online. Um, over the last few weeks, we have been looking at the book of Philippians, and uh, we have been looking systematically at chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Uh, our theme for this p- series has been Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, when Paul writes, and he tells us, rejoice in the Lord always, and I'll say it again, rejoice Now, Paul is writing this book, and and he is someone who has went through some uh, incredible circumstances, but yet he still has joy. And so what he's doing by writing this book is he's telling uh, the people of Philippi, and also us, how to live our lives experiencing joy. He allows us to know that joy can only be found in Christ. You can find happiness and ways to become happy in the world, but true joy— can only be found in in Christ. And once you find that joy, it can't be contained. I believe that we're in a situation that the world needs joy more than ever before. And those of us who have experienced true, pure joy, we have the responsibility to share it. We have the responsibility to allow others to know what will give them that same joy. So the goal for this series has not only been to help us personally find joy, but it has been so that we could have joy that is so rich in our own lives that it spills out to others. And when that happens, it gives glory to Jesus. So Paul is painting a picture of what true joy looks like. Now, to be honest, as Christians, we do not always do the best job. But he begins to write in chapter 3 of Philippians in verse 1. He says, whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. He said, no matter what, you need to rejoice. Rejoice or joy is found 16 times in this small book. Now, you remember, Paul is writing this from a Roman prison. It's underground. It's dark. He's chained to another human being. The conditions are horrible. He thought he was going to be preaching to all of Rome and now all he can do is write letters. He's awaiting execution. Any day could be his last day, but he still is expressing joy. You see, joy is not only good for us. Joy can be a weapon. Joy has power. We read in Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas had been thrown into jail. And they were in chains. But it said about midnight, they began to to sing and to praise. What were they doing? They were expressing joy. And in the midst of their bad day, in the midst of their bad situation, the joy that they were showing and expressing changed their situation. The, The chains fell off. And likewise for us, if we're having a bad day, joy is the weapon that we need to overcome it. Joy can help us overcome a bad day, a bad week, a bad month, a bad year, a bad season. We can experience joy in every circumstance. He continues to write in verse 1, he said, "'I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith.'" Now, I don't know about you, but there are times that I get tired of telling someone the same thing over and over. Uh, maybe you, you've experienced that with your child. You've asked them to, to do something, and you continually have to, to repeat yourself. It becomes irritating. But Paul is saying, listen, I'm not frustrated with you. Uh, Paul loves these people. Uh, Paul says, I don't ever get tired of reminding you uh, of the things of God. Why? Because it protects your faith. It's so important to to return our our mind to the truth of God. Paul is continually talking about the mind. Why? Because our mind is a battlefield. The enemy attacks our minds. Joy is is a big part of that battle. How we see the world and how we process what we see determines how much joy we experience. Paul is saying, I don't care to keep reminding you. Why? Because it helps you win the battle. You see, as Christians, a lot of times we are guilty of looking at and looking for the latest, greatest teaching. We're looking for deep revelation. And that's all fine and good. But Paul says, listen, there's nothing wrong with simple Christianity, there's nothing wrong with things being repeated until you can actually live it and walk it out. There's so much truth in that. And chapter 3 deals with the mind. Last week, we looked at some things that we described as joy thieves. Well, there's some more joy thieves in chapter 3. In verse 18, Paul writes this. For as I have often told you before and now say again, even with tears in my eyes, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. One of the things that can quickly steal our joy is when we disregard the importance of the cross Uh, Paul says that many people have not only disregarded it, but they've become enemies of it. Now, there's some of you watching today that maybe you really don't know about the cross. This could maybe possibly be the first time you've ever been exposed to it. You might have just run across this on Facebook. Uh, Maybe one of your friends shared this link. And I'm thankful that, that, that you're just, peeking in to, to check it out. You see, we are excited that you're watching today, and I want you to know that there is something greater than what we see and what we feel, what we can touch. You see that there are things that are made possible simply through the cross. Or maybe you've been close to God, but you're in a season right now that, that you've gone back to a lifestyle of, of living simply for for now, you see, it's easy to become dependent on the world. It's easy to, to take our dependence off of God and place it on earthly things. And at some point, maybe you, you stop taking advantage of the benefits of the cross. But I know that you'll never find joy, you'll never find peace, you'll never find true love in the world. You will only, you're only going to find imitations of it. Because those things are only found in God. It is only found through the cross. Another joy thief is when we become addicted to pleasure. We've all heard the saying, if it feels good, do it. But the problem with that is is that we're living with an earthly focus. And when we're doing that, it's like, why not? You know, go after it. And we make pleasure our God because why? Because that brings us happiness which is only temporary. He Paul says he says don't let your god be your stomach. Now he's not talking about food. But what he's saying is is do not let the desires of your life rule your life. We've become addicted to pleasure. And honestly, it isn't even private anymore. It's gone public. I mean, there is so much celebration of sin. Why? Because we are addicted to pleasure. We've become earthly minded. And Paul is saying, be careful. You see, you can be a great person and still be earthly minded. It's, it's not just the things that we deem as, as bad. It can be the everyday routine of life because we get into our, our little routine and that routine is, is completely focused on earthly things. You know, I can say that, it, that one positive that has come out of this situation that we're facing right now is that our routine has been broken. And for me personally, that's been great because now I'm able to, to readjust and start to focus on things that truly matter. Because our routine will leave us asking the question, is there more to life? I want you to know that that God has more. We serve a God of more. You see, it's natural to be earthly minded, but God has called us to go beyond the natural. God has called us to walk in the supernatural. You say, well, that's fine. That's great. How do I do that? Well, he tells us in, in Romans chapter 12, verse two, he says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. In Romans chapter eight, verse six, Paul writes, the mind governed by flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Paul said, if, if you allow your mind to be governed by what you feel and by pleasure, it's going to lead to death. It's going to lead to destruction. But when we allow the spirit to guide our mind, it leads us to a life of peace and of joy. You see, we have to change the way that we think. We have to change our mind. And, and to do that, the key is, is that we must become eternally minded, You see, that's not natural. It doesn't just happen. It takes development. And in the third chapter of Philippians, Paul is presenting that to us. He's saying we need to stay focused. And I want to look at three things that we need to focus on. The first thing that we need to focus on is we need to see God's redemption for our yesterday. He writes in verse 7, But whatever was to my profit, I now consider a loss for the sake of Christ. You see, Paul was a man with a past. Paul had a lot of baggage. I mean, he was prideful. He thrived on power. He was a murderer. I mean, if you look up man with a past in the dictionary, you're probably going to see Paul's picture so if anyone had the right to feel ashamed, it was him. But Paul isn't living in it. Paul didn't allow himself to be defined by it. You see, it's very easy to allow our past to define us. It's very easy to live our life with regret. But Paul is trying to come from a different perspective. Paul is saying, you know what? I'm not afraid of and I'm not ashamed of my past he realized that God would use his past and he found redemption in it. He said, whatever's happened in my life, God wants to use it. Whatever has happened in your life, God wants to redeem it. I always say that, that God never wastes an opportunity. What you have went through in your life, God will use to speak to someone else. You say, well, pastor, you don't know what I've done. I may not, but something I do know is that it doesn't matter. God shows us all throughout the Bible that he will use people who have a past. Genesis chapter 50 verse 20 tells us, Well, the enemy intended for harm, God will use for good. You see, it's, it's easier to get past your pain when you realize that it has a purpose. People who work out, that's not me, but people who work out, they experience pain. But when they look in the mirror, they like the results. So that the pain that they go through, they're okay with it because they realize that it has a purpose. Uh, Some of you may have had uh, maybe surgery in the past. And after that surgery, maybe a knee surgery, and and after that surgery, you've had to go to physical therapy. And they put you through uh, some pain, trying to to get your leg back to operating the, the way that it needs to. But when you go through that pain, when you can realize that it's for a reason and for a purpose, then it makes that pain a lot easier to deal with. And Paul is saying that you can have joy in your pain when you understand that it has a purpose. Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, he writes this, "'What is more, I consider everything a loss "'compared to the surpassing greatness "'of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord, "'for whose sake I have lost all things. "'I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ.'" You see, this is a man whose past has a purpose. He says, whatever happens, I'm going to rejoice. And if you're struggling with your past, but you have a knowledge of Christ, you have a knowledge of his power, every day you should be thanking him for your salvation. Every day you should be reminding yourself of his grace, knowing That everything that we would do, he knew all of it, yet he still gave us his grace. He still showed us his mercy. When condemnation comes at you, you you need to hit it with grace. When the enemy tells you to stop, you need to keep going. You need to to have the, the idea that every day I'm going to live out my faith, every day I'm going to walk in his grace. Whatever happened in the past, it happened. But you have to keep going. You have to know that he has redeemed you. Uh, The second thing that we need to do is that we need to see God's purpose for our today. He continues to write in verse 12, "'Not that I have already obtained all this "'or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took a hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul is not relying on his past. Uh, Paul is, is giving us truth in this passage of Scripture. He's saying, listen, you have a purpose. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, we read that we are God's handiwork, that we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which was prepared for us in advance for us to do. In Romans chapter 11, uh, Paul lets us know that God's gift and our call is with not is, is irrevocable. You see, Paul was so focused. Instead of being focused on things that didn't matter, he was focused on what he was created to do. He said, I'm striving for, I'm reaching for the prize. And Paul was telling us that we have to be so focused on what we were created for and not on the things around us. Life is so short. Life is only but a vapor. We cannot afford to waste our life on anything that God didn't create us for. You see, this isn't not about salvation. This is about how we respond to our salvation. You see, it brings so much joy to our lives to be able to do what we were created for. You say, well, how do I change my mindset? How do I I get my mind to to stop focusing on and to start striving for what I was created for? The first thing you need to do is you need to identify discontent. Don't run from it, but embrace it. If you're in a situation where you're discontent with where you are, uh, that can be from God because God is saying, "You you need to start striving for what I created you for. You need to start trying to obtain it. You see, there's, there's something more than what we're doing right now, and God is speaking to you. So identify that discontent and start striving toward things that are from above. The second thing we need to do is m- just simply make a decision. Make a decision that you're going to spend your life on His purpose, that you're not going to waste your life on anything else. You need to make up your mind I'm going to go this direction and sell out to it. And then once you've done that, start taking steps to get there. You've also often heard the, the phrase or the motto, whatever it takes. As we're going through this uh, situation that we've been going through, uh, that has sort of uh, been our philosophy. Hey, we'll do whatever it takes. Is it unconventional? Yes, but whatever it takes. And you can see Paul's passion in these verses. And he's telling us, you need to, you need to strive. You need to sell out. You need to to do and try to obtain that thing, that goal that God has placed in your life. We need to to learn to, to live that out. Next, we need to see God's plan for our tomorrow. In verse 20, Paul says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glorious body. Paul is saying you need to see God's plan for Tomorrow. Now, we can live this thing out while we're here on this earth, but that is not God's ultimate plan. God's ultimate plan is heaven. He wants us to take and take us to a, to a better place. C.S. Lewis said this, aim at heaven and you'll get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you'll get neither. You see, in this passage of scripture, Paul is reminding us that we're not of this world, He's talking to these, these people from Philippi, and they were actually Roman citizens. And you could not get any better than that. As a Roman citizen, you were protected. You had prosperity. You had rights. And Paul is saying, I know that you're proud of your citizenship, but I want you to know that your heavenly citizenship is so much greater That's what we're striving for. The word in that verse, await, that simply means to have a constant focus, to constantly be focused on things not of this world. Our ultimate goal, he tells us over and over again, we're not of this world. We're just passing through. Our goal was heaven. And Paul is saying, I want to remind you that one day that our bodies will be transformed to be like his. We need to understand and realize that our past has been redeemed. And that today we need to be living for our purpose and living in our calling. And that for tomorrow, no matter what happens here, no matter what takes place while we're on this earth, if we're a follower of him, heaven is waiting. That's how Paul had joy. And that's why Paul was able to say, hey, if I live great, if I die even better. Why? Because he understood that his citizenship was not of this world that his citizenship was from heaven. So in order for us to truly obtain joy, we need to see life as it is. We need to see our past, we need to see our present, and we need to be able to see our future. If you're watching today and you say, "Pastor," I struggle in one of those areas. I have a hard time forgetting my past. I have a hard time realizing that there's a purpose in it. Or you say, Pastor, I I feel like I have no purpose. I feel like that, that I'm just living life. Or you may say, I sort of like living here. Your citizenship is not here. We need to strive for just what Paul was saying. Strive for what lies ahead. You say, Pastor, I have a hard time with that. I have a hard time forgetting about what's happening right now. And for those of you who fall in that category, God can help change your mind. God can help change your mindset. And so right where you are, we're going to pray and we're going to ask God, because that's what he tells us to do. He said, ask, and I'll, I'll do it. So if that's you, if you fall in one of those categories, let's pray. Father, I come before you right now, and God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for uh, this powerful letter that was written, not only for the church at Philippi, but it applies to us today. God, for those who may be living in their past, those that are allowing their past to define them. And Father, I pray that you will let them know that their past has been redeemed and that there was a purpose for their pain and that you will use that for good. God, for those who are having a hard time figuring out their purpose, God, I pray that you will help them Help them to know that you have called them for a reason and that they have a purpose and that they can walk in that purpose and that that joy is found when they live out that calling. God, I pray that you will help us and remind us that we're not of this world, that we're only passing through. God, that we have something so much greater we have an ultimate prize that we should be striving for god i pray that you will help us and remind us when things get tough and when life gets hard god remind us that you're with us and that in reality that what happens here in the end doesn't truly matter because we're not of this world our citizenship is from heaven father i pray that you will speak peace and purpose into the lives of your children in christ's name amen now you also may be watching and you may say i've never really made a commitment to christ i've never uh, these things that you're talking about they they sound awesome but but i've never truly trusted in him If you're watching today and that's you, uh, the awesome thing about God is, is that all you have to do is ask. All you have to do is say, Father, come into my life. Be Lord of my life. I believe that you sent your son to die on the cross, that he was buried and that he rose again. And when you do that, you will find true joy. As I said, joy is found only in Christ. So, if that's you, right where you are, I'm going to ask you just to repeat this prayer with me. Father, I thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for my sin. Father, I need you in my life. I need true joy. Redeem my past. Help me find my purpose so that my citizenship can be from heaven. Father, I thank you for the supernatural change in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to thank you for being with us and I want you to know that if you made a commitment to Christ today, just as we have done from the beginning, I would ask you to text the word new life to 606 220 6111. We are praising God that you've made that decision, and we want to, to help, help you walk this out and let you know what faith and what a walk with Christ truly looks like.